Our second reading is taken to Paul's letter to the Colossians, chapter 1, beginning at the first verse. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learnt it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who has also told us of your love in the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. As I start, let me pray. Let us pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this new year uh, and pray that uh, we would, as we enter it, trust in your good promises Uh, and plans for us. Pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to hear you speak to us uh, this afternoon. Amen. Well, it's a new year, January 2019, and today we're starting a new sermon series in the letter of Paul to the church in Colossae. Uh, Now, Colossae was a city in western Turkey, uh, just up the valley from its more famous neighbor, Ephesus. And Colossae was, as you might expect, inhabited by Colossians. Uh, Paul, on the other hand, uh, as so often seems to be the case, uh, was in prison for his faith, probably in Rome, and with only faithful Timothy for company. You can imagine it would be easy for Paul to feel lonely and isolated. And especially at this time of year, with the long nights uh, and the cold weather, it's easy for us to think that we too are on our own. We live in a lonely country. 1.2 million people suffer from chronic loneliness. That means going five or six days a week without seeing anyone. Nine million adults across all ages in the UK say that they often feel lonely. And the Christian faith can also feel like a lonely experience. It's easy to slip into thinking that faith is something personal and private, It's between me and God, lonely and isolated. With Paul stuck in his prison cell far from home, you might think that he would be tempted to share this rather gloomy outlook. But there is nothing gloomy about his letter to the Colossians, quite the contrary. If it's cold and dark outside at the moment, then Paul's words are filled with warmth and light for us to start the new year with. So let's look at these opening verses. How does he start? Well, verse 3, 
We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. For you. The specific question these verses prompt for us this afternoon is this. How do we feel about other Christians, our brothers and sisters in Christ, as Paul puts it in verse 2? Because in the place of loneliness and isolation, Paul gives us encouragement. These verses show us, one, how our faith encourages others, and two, how our faith is encouraged by Christ. So let's dive in. How our faith encourages others. Why is Paul thankful to God for the Colossians? Well, verse 4, he continues, Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. Paul is grateful to God for the simple fact that there are Christian believers in Colossae. What's remarkable is that Paul has never actually met the Colossians. This wasn't a church he had founded. He simply heard about them from his friend Epaphras, who's mentioned there in verse 7. And I have no doubt that Paul would be equally encouraged had he learned that 2,000 years later and thousands of miles away, there are Christian believers in Cambridge today. If you are sitting here today with your belief in Jesus Christ, that he is your Lord, he died and rose again for you, then you too are an encouragement, whether you realize it or not. Simply by believing, each one of us gives others a reason to thank God, as Paul does for the Colossians. Do you know the encouragement which you, the four o'clock service, are to the rest of Christchurch. One drawback of being such a large church with so many services, there's often lots of people we don't know, we're not likely to meet, who attend Christchurch. But let me tell you, as the seniors minister, plenty of people ask me about the four o'clock service and how we are doing. And it's my great privilege to share the encouragement you are to me with them, to tell them that yes, We have some wonderful examples of faith and perseverance in our church family for whom we should thank God. And you are prayed for and loved by people you have never met simply because of that faith we share. And the faith of others should give us reason to do the same as well. Are you encouraged by the rest of Christchurch? from the way it's grown from small numbers in the 1990s to be so big that we can't really fit in the same building? Did it make you happy how full the church was at the carol services to know that others are following where you have led from all walks of life coming through our doors and calling this church home? But this is not simply a matter of numbers of church attendants. Because the Colossians' faith is no mere lip service. They don't just scoot in and scoot out again. No, Paul is encouraged by their living faith. So the second half of verse 4, he speaks of the love that you have for all God's people. In other words, the Colossians are not simply a group of individuals who happen to believe certain things. They are a family, a people together. Their faith drives them to love one another and love others God has put in their path. I don't know if you noticed the contrast with Jesus' warnings in our reading from Matthew, that love would grow cold, 
that many would abandon the faith and then hate each other. Thanks to their faith, the exact opposite is happening with the Colossians. And it is encouraging to me and to others the way that we love one another. Um, just to give you an example, um, some of you may know Evelyn Snelson is currently in Addenbrooke's. I was all the way on the other side of the English Channel uh, in France, but I was still uh, told about it because of the love that we share, because of our shared faith. The faith of one another in Christ and the love for his people, this encourages others when they see it in us, and it should encourage us when we see it in others. So be encouraged and be encouraging. But this brings us on to our our second and our bigger point, um, how our own faith is encouraged by Christ. Because why should faith like this be encouraging? Well, verse 5, Paul explains. Because this faith, and this, this is faith that, sorry, this is the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. Faith and love bear witness to the hope that we share. They bear witness to how we are encouraged by Christ. I love the word there, to to spring from hope. Um, Imagine an alpine spring hidden deep beneath the mountains, um, invisible, but, but bubbling away without anyone really noticing it. And yet out of it comes first a trickling stream, which swells into a swirling river and then finally flows out into the open sea, all from a very small beginning. And yet without the spring, there is no river. Without the hope that we share, there can be no faith and no love. But because we see each other's faith and love, we know that we share the same hope. And that that hope is real. What is this hope? Well, Paul tells us two further things about it. Firstly, it is stored up for you in heaven. That's verse 5. That word stored, it it doesn't mean tucked away and forgotten about. Um, Alice and my New Year's resolution is to clear out our spare room where plenty of stuff has been stored um, but forgotten about. No, Paul here means it's safe and secure. guaranteed like a Swiss bank account, but more so because it's stored up in heaven itself with God himself. And secondly, this is a hope, again verse 5, about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. This hope isn't some vague idea that we've dreamt up, and it certainly isn't some complicated system of philosophy that we've got to work out. It's a message that the Colossians have already heard and understood. It's out in the open for us all to hear, loud and clear. It's that our hope is that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Saviour. He is the hope in which we have faith. And he is the hope which motivates our love. He's the spring from which our whole Christian lives flow. And here are some of the things that Paul will go on to say in this letter to the Colossians about Christ. Christ is is the glorious riches of the mystery of God. He is where the fullness of God lives and dwells. He is head over every power and authority. 
He is how we have been brought to fullness. He is the one who has made us alive and in whom our lives are now safely hidden. He is the hope of glory. You get the idea, and we'll be exploring each of these over the course of this term. And it means in the face of whatever life throws at us, illness, loneliness, and yes, the fear of death, Christ is enough. The Christ who is utterly and absolutely supreme over everything is the one who has given us forgiveness and fullness and new life. So whatever we go through, Christ remains enough. This is the gospel, the good news we hear week after week. And our hope is in Jesus and Christ because we believe the message that's been given to us. That's what Paul's saying here to the Colossians. You've already heard this. And he emphasizes several times that this is true. It's a, it's a true message. Uh, and later on he speaks about truly understanding it. it. It can be examined and tested. It's based on events that really happened and have been recorded. There's no secrets, no catches. But it isn't just something we hear proclaimed. It's something we see in the lives of other Christians. And that's why Paul is so thankful. The lives of the Colossians are a flowing river which points back to the mountain spring. And that's true for us as well. Um, I remember when I first became a Christian in my late teens, um, I was lonely and, and, and a little bit scared about what on earth I'd let myself in for. And one of the most important things that encouraged me to keep going was the examples of those who had gone ahead, older brothers and sisters in Christ, um, who at the what seemed like the advanced age of 21 still had faith and still loved God's people. It proved that faith was worth it. It proved that the object of our faith, Christ, would be enough for whatever life might throw at me. As I've grown older and swept past the age of 21, which now seems a distant memory, I've been privileged to look on those of you who have been doing this far, far longer than I have, who've proved that, yes, Christ remains enough, whether it's through the passing of loved ones or through difficult illnesses and operations. And I've also been privileged to see those younger than myself take it up and prove that Christ hasn't stopped being enough for others. I think I've had the best of both worlds, actually, being involved with the 4pm ministry, but also Tuesday Central. And on top of this, there is the proof of the generations of men and women, those before us and those who'll come after, who've lived in the light of this hope, who've believed it and loved others who have believed it. And that's why Paul concludes by his introduction by actually broadening our horizons well beyond uh, Colossae. Verse 6, he says, In the same way the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. The Colossians are part of something much, much, much bigger there weren't just Christian believers in Colossae. There were already Christian believers across the known world, um, from Jerusalem and Antioch to the east, 
Iconium and Lystra further inland, Ephesus further down the valley, Athens and Corinth and Philippi across the Aegean, and even in Rome, the capital of the empire. And today there are still Christians in all of those places, despite persecution. And there are Christian believers all over the world, on every continent, even places like North Korea and Afghanistan, where Christians are daily threatened for their faith and their hope with death. Again, just as Jesus promised in our first reading. Reading, People we will never meet this side of heaven, millions of people we will never meet this side of heaven, share our hope and our faith and our love. And if you want to be encouraged and be an encouragement to others more, this points to one very valuable and practical way of doing it. That's to get in touch with one of our mission partners. Later on, we're going to be praying for Margaret Regeira out in Japan. Uh, Alice and I also make a point of staying in touch with Matt Murray, whom some of you may remember was here a few years ago. He's now a pastor down in Lyon in southern France, and we keep up an email exchange. He tells us all that God has been doing in his church down there. And again, the people he talks about, we're never going to meet them, this side of the new creation. But we can't help but be encouraged by his reports. Um, The last one we received, it was uh, uh, immigrants um, make Leon. um, uh, Leon's getting in a lot of uh, immigrants from North Africa, uh, barely able to speak French, and yet the church has been able to welcome them, teach them French, and tell them the good news about Jesus. And many have been coming to faith. So we're encouraged by his faith and love in what's still quite a difficult ministry. And I hope it's an encouragement to him that he knows that his church is loved and prayed for by us back in Cambridge. And it's the same for our other mission partners, for Margaret, for, for Nia, and, and for others. That's the dynamic of faith at work, encouraging and being encouraged. Or perhaps close to home, we can do it simply by talking about our hope and our faith together more often. That hope that we have in common How has Christ proved himself to be enough for you? How has Christ proved himself to be enough for each other? And we may be a small congregation at the 4pm, but I know there are some wonderful tales of Christ's kindness to be told. I've had the privilege of hearing some of them. Let's share them. Be encouraging and be encouraged. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are our hope, that that hope is is stored up in heaven, safe and sound, and yet has been revealed to us clearly uh, in the good news proclaimed by your church. Uh, We pray that we would encourage one another uh, through our faith and through our love that springs from this hope. May we be encouraged by seeing others walk in your footsteps. And may we encourage others by doing the same. Through your grace and spirit and for your glory. Amen.